Teach me to trust. Teach me to understand. Teach me to be patient. Teach me to make room for you. Teach me to be still. Teach me to cope. Teach me to be passionate. The acronym PUSH that many have seen, and I've seen it all over Facebook, says pray until something happens. After we spent some time talking about vision for 2020, God really burned in my heart that we'll never be able to see what he wants us to see until we spend time in his presence, knowing who he is, spending time with him. And prayer should not just be an idle exercise that we checked off our spiritual discipline list. Rather, prayer should produce something. When people in scripture prayed, something happened. And so for this short series, we're looking at what happens when they prayed, what should happen when we pray. Last week, we talked about the transfiguration. The Bible says that when Jesus prayed, his countenance was changed. There was something that happened as he was praying. If he had not been praying, there would have been no transfiguration. He was changed as he prayed. And that same root word for transfiguration is found in Romans chapter 12 that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the idea that the transfiguration was just for Jesus is true at one level, but prayer should transform all of us. It starts with our lives being changed. How many of you believe that? Prayer should change you. That's where it starts. Then to talk about prayer as an inspiration. There's a transformational nature to prayer. There's also an inspirational nature to prayer. And if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 11, I want you to see something else that happened when Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. When Jesus prayed, other people wanted to pray. When Jesus prayed, other people were inspired to pray. When Jesus prayed, it called others to come out of their lethargy and apathy into a place of seeking the face of God. I believe that prayer is the primary means whereby you and I will receive spiritual inspiration. If you want the power of God in your life, it happens as you pray. But then subsequent to that, your prayer life should be such that it inspires other people to pray. There should be an inspirational nature to prayer. 
that it becomes part of the fiber of our being and impacts those that are around us. And so I just want you to ask yourself this morning, does my prayer life inspire anybody else? <laughs> does, does my prayer life even inspire me? If it doesn't inspire you, it's not likely to inspire anybody else. Have you ever noticed how people who share the same interests seem to be drawn together? Has anybody, I don't know where everybody's seated. I lost track. Where'd everybody go? How many of you have noticed that people who have shared interests kind of draw together? We call those interest groups. Are, are, there any, are there any people in here who like to smoke meats, meat smokers? And Let me see your hands. We got a few of you. Yeah, I, there's just something about getting people together that smoke meats and share their secrets unless they're so proud and arrogant they won't share their <coughs> secrets. But <laughs> Talk about fishing and there'll be a group gravitate. Talk about hunting, there'll be a group gravitate. Talk about bike riding, there'll be a group that gravitates. When there's something that you're passionate about, it inspires others to join with you, and those who have not yet experienced it, when they hear passionate people talk about their interests, are drawn into those interests. My uh, son Caleb was talking about wanting to hunt deer uh, with a bow. I hunt turkey with a gun. Those are not the same sports. And I said, well, why this sudden interest in hunting deer with a bow? Because he heard some people talking about it, and their inspired talk inspired him. How many are hearing what I'm saying? Who is inspired by your life? Whose life is encouraged by your life? So let's look at what happens here and understand the inspirational nature of prayer. Jesus was praying in a certain place. I believe that the disciples and your life, my life, will be inspired by here a powerful example. Inspiration comes from a powerful example. Jesus was praying in a certain place. They traveled with him. They walked along those dusty roads. They were with him everywhere he went, and they knew that Jesus was a man of prayer. They heard him talk about prayer. They heard him teach on prayer. They saw the power of his praying, but they also watched him pray. They knew that he would withdraw for a season to seek the face of his father. And let me ask you, if the son of God, who is eternally existent and one with the father, came to earth and became a man and needed to pray, how many of you think you probably need to pray? If Jesus needed to pray, he didn't do that just for, he didn't do that just for a model. He did it because he needed it. What proof do you have of that? Oh, I'm glad you, so glad you asked. In the Garden of Gethsemane, how did he pray? Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What is Jesus showing us in the garden? He's showing us that his will was having a bit of a difficulty submitting to the will of the Father, and it was in spending time with the Father that the human will of Jesus bent to the will of God, the Father, and was willing to strengthen himself in prayer to enter into that journey that brings redemption to us. Our lives should inspire others in the same way. So th think about it for a minute. How many of you think? Ask how many read. How many of you think? 
It's a little heavier over here than over here. How many of you over here think from time to time? All right. Because I want you to think right now. I want you to put on your thinking cap. I'm not going to go around and ask you. But this question is not rhetorical. It's one I want you to think about. Who inspires you and why? Who inspires you and why? That's a critical question to your spiritual vibrancy and your spiritual growth. Who do you look to as a model of what you aspire to? Who is that? Well, pastor, I don't have anybody. That's probably why you're stuck where you are. How, how so? Well, I read a book some years ago that has been a, a strong model for me when it comes to spiritual passion. And it was talking about how to keep passion alive and how to spiritually keep a focus on spiritual things. And this author wrote about five categories of people using the VIP acrostic. Very important person. And I want to take a minute to unpack that this morning and have you think about it. I'm going to start at the bottom end. <clears throat> Talked about two categories that you shouldn't give much room to in your life. And the first was the VNP, the very nice person. How many of you know, know nice people? <laughs> I know you're Eastsiders. You don't know anybody that's nice. <laughs> Come on. Help me this morning. It's going to take a long time at the rate we're going. What are nice people? They're people that aren't inspirational. They don't get excited, but they don't wear you down. They're people that come to church every Sunday and they fill a spot and they give in the offering and they encourage others, just, oh, that's really cool. But they don't produce anything. And the author said, let nice people be nice. Don't try to change them. Just let them sit there and be nice. They're not going to inspire you. Then he also talks about very draining people. You know, there are some people whose goal in life is to suck the life out of you. Those people, I'm going to just be really straight because you're being really quiet. <laughs> Those people are a waste of your time and they're a detriment to your experience. You are not the savior of the world Jesus is. And there are some people who do not want to change. They just want to dump their load on you and they will come around and suck the life out of you like a leech will suck blood. They don't want to change. They don't want to do anything different. They're just wanting to draw out of you. And I'm sorry to say that, but it helped me a great deal to realize there are some people that I have to say, even from my pastoral perspective, you do not have access to me. Because you suck the life out of me. You don't want to change. You don't want to do anything different. In fact, normally when I do counseling, I will have an assignment that has to be fulfilled before the individual comes back because if they won't do the they don't do the assignment, they don't want help. They just want attention. Hallelujah. You say, well, aren't we supposed to be inclusive? Oh, they can come. They just can't have access to me. They can have coffee. But they're not gonna—they're not gonna drain my energies. Are you? Do I sound horrible? Am I? Here's a reason to be inspired to pray for me, so I don't spread that boundary out too far. Those are the people you don't waste time with. Here's the problem: a very draining person can hit a crisis that they change into a person that wants to change, and you have to be ready for that moment to respond. So you don't ice them out forever. But there are three other categories that will keep you in balance. The first is the very resourceful person. 
That's the person that you look up to. That's a person that you would see as a mentor. That's a person that fuels your spiritual passion. Someone you look up to that's pouring into you. Every one of us needs somebody that's pouring into us. Now that may be someone you know personally. That may be someone that you uh, read their writings or their blogs or listen to them. It could be something of that sort. But their spiritual life inspires you. I went to a really strict Bible college. Really strict. Um, We had to have four chaperones on every day. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. (laughs) Big King James Bible between you and your girlfriend. But their goal was valid. They wanted a couple to be inspired by... I need to not say that the way that almost came out. They wanted a couple to be inspired by their spiritual life, not by their physical appearance. Someone that inspires you to greater, better things. Someone that calls you to go a little further. Who is that? There's a tremendous... A move among our in our culture right now in Christian circles on mentoring people realizing the value of having someone that pours into you and if you don't have someone that you look to you're you're gonna lose your way someone that you look up to that inspires you a mentor whether you meet intentionally purposefully or not but someone that encourages you that's a very resourceful person you need someone like that in your life um, as I'm getting older, I'm finding that my, my resourceful people are going on to be with Jesus. Um, and I, I'll tell you, every time that's happened, it's left a huge hole in me. Then there's a very important person. It's the person that shares your passion, the person that you interact with. They share your burden for ministry. And nothing will drag you down like trying to team with someone who doesn't share your passion. But if you team with someone who shares your passion, it fuels it. That's why ministry should be done in teams. That's why there are people you ought to link with who share your heart and burden that you work with. It's that person that if you're in need, that's the one I would call. That's the one that will be there to help me. If I have a job to do, that's the person I would look to. They'll be there in my framework of relationships. It's someone that you team with. And then third, you need a very trainable person, someone you're pouring into. Someone you're pouring into. Someone you found that wants to grow. And you don't approach them arrogantly, but someone that you're sharing life lessons with. Someone that reaches out to you that you can pour into. And I want you to picture that this morning. When it comes to a powerful example, you need someone that is an example to you. You need someone that will join you in being an example. And you need someone that you're being an example to. Does that make sense to you? That's what will keep you healthy and strong. They were moved by a powerful example. So who do you inspire? Who do you inspire? (laughs) Who do you inspire? You say, well, I don't think I should have to inspire anyone. Oh, wait a minute. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Follow me as I follow Christ. If I can't follow you and get to heaven, there's only one reason for that. You're not headed there. Hello? I'm talking about being an inspiration to somebody. You say, well, I I don't think I inspire anybody. Then get in a place full of God. Let your light shine. Men will see your good works. Glorify God. And you can be an inspiration to them. 
That's not arrogance. That's passion. Some years ago, I've shared this story numerous times. But I'm so thankful that God rattles our, our, uh, our, our uh, cart every now and then. How many of you are glad for that? I was a youth pastor. And the younger I was, the more I knew. <laughs> How many are hearing me this morning? I mean, I pretty well had it nailed when I was 21. I, I knew how it should be. And we went to this church that I later would pastor. <laughs> Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. And I sat in that service, and the evangelists that were there, two brothers were there, and they were pretty showy. They had this gold kind of vest, and they were just kind of funky. And I just thought, this isn't church. This is barely entertainment and I'm being kind of critical and and I'm looking around and I'm frustrated I don't like what I'm seeing what's happening and I looked up and there's there's two rows of Iowa State students that are at the front just giving their all and I thought they're over the top anybody ever witness a critical spirit and I'm sitting there and I'm not responding and here's what God said to me do you think any of them want anything you have? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. You're sitting back here like a bump on a log, not worshiping, not responding, and you're everything they're trying not to be. Hello? See, sometimes worship isn't about you. It's about inspiring others. I appreciate the people who are down front worshiping, but you say, well, I don't feel like I need to. You might need, not need to, but you might inspire someone else by engaging in worship and celebrating in worship and have them watch you, and they'll say, I'd like to be like that. Worship has an inspirational quality that you're responsible not only for your relationship to God, but the impact you have on the people around you. And I'm not talking about this. Oh, glory to God. I've seen that. I'm not interested in that. I, I tell you, I won't say who. doesn't matter who. <laughs> but one Sunday morning, I stood in the sound booth watching an 11-year-old young man standing in the pews or the chairs with his arms, hands lifted, and I watched tears running down his face. Would to God, I'd have that passion again. I've watched young children in the aisle or at the front, and a child can come up and want to be seen. I get that, and they need to be taught, and you want to make sure that they don't get out ahead of themselves. But you can watch those that are fully engaged. I'd like to have that. Again, is anyone hearing me now? I remember one Sunday during worship looking and I saw a man that I asked him later how old he was. He was in his late 70s standing right here with teenagers and young adults all around him and they're worshiping and he has his hands raised and white hair, hands raised, worshiping God. And I thought, I want to be that guy that I'm still a worshiper. I'm still a praiser. I'm still excited about Jesus till the day I walk on planet Earth. I want to inspire somebody when I worship. 
You can be a very nice person. Yeah, that's okay. Don't be a draining person. But what would happen if on Sunday we came in and I, <laughs> I want to love somebody so much. I want to love Jesus so much that somebody's inspired to love him a little bit more. Is anyone hearing me? I know there are different philosophies of church ministry out there. And uh, for years, Willow Creek was criticized for being seeker sensitive. And I get that and understand why, but you'd have to know what they were doing. And they had a plan, but I was never comfortable with having a Sunday morning service that didn't, um, didn't rattle anybody's cage. <laughs> Not who I am. And I wasn't faulting them as I understood how they functioned. They were doing some really great things at the time. And then I did a little investigation into Saddleback and Rick Warren. And I loved what he said about worship. He said, the best way we can point sinners to Jesus is let them watch us while we worship. <laughs> is there anybody in the house right now? Come on, somebody help me right now. The best way we can point people to God is let them worship with us and watch us while we worship. I'd like you to start asking yourself on Sundays when you come into this place, does anybody want what you have? Does anybody ins inspired by your response? And I'm not asking to be somebody or not. I watch people that are just engaged this way and others that respond in ways I wouldn't respond. And I'm not talking about putting on a show so someone will see you, but can you be the powerful example that someone sees and says, I want what they have. That's what Jesus offered his disciples. I want to be that. I want to inspire somebody. Jesus, let me be so full of you that I inspire someone. Now, when it becomes arrogance, you're full of flesh. But there's a humility that comes with that. God, I want someone, I want someone to be drawn to you because they saw something in me that stirs them. Second, they were inspired by an awakened desire. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Think about all the things they could have said to Jesus. They could have said all kinds of things. They could have said, Lord, teach us to preach. Teach us to teach. Teach us to heal the sick. Teach us how to reach a community. Teach us how to walk on water. Teach us how to still the storm. Teach us how to shut up the Pharisees. But when they saw him, there was something that awakened in them that said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And that's an awakened desire. Do you know what that feels like? To have those moments where you've been kind of coasting along and then you're in a service where something awakens in you and it's, I want something more. Something happens on the inside. Some of us need Jesus to wake us up and awaken desire, to awaken love in us, to awaken something that calls us to a higher place, to awaken us, a hunger for spiritual things. Leaders lead in spiritual disciplines. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. If you're a leader, you'll be leading in spiritual disciplines. 
you'll be leading in prayer. You'll be leading in fasting. You'll be leading in giving. You'll be leading in spiritual concerns. Leaders must be prayers. A couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night with young adults, while I have a few weeks here that I get to meddle with them, we had a time of worship and I wanted various ones to lead out in prayer and I haven't asked the worship team if they're okay with that. Not that it would matter, it just let me know if they were okay. And I said, I want each of you to lead out in prayer because worshipers need to be prayers. You're not a worshiper if you're not a prayer. You're not a leader if you're not a prayer. In fact, I think ushers ought to be prayers. I think everybody that serves ought to be a prayer because there ought to be a spirit of God around everything that we do. Leaders lead in spiritual disciplines. Leaders lead in things that really matter. Let's be leaders in the things that really matter. There has to be an awakening of desire. How does that happen? I came across a progression that I have found to be true. If you want to awaken desire, how many are still with me? I was a little heavy on the teaching side this morning, but I feel heavy on my heart. Um, I had three people still with me. How many of you are still with me? How do you awaken desire? I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna show this to you. How do you awaken desire? It starts with discipline. It starts with doing the right thing. We walk by faith, not by sight. It doesn't start with how you feel. It starts with discipline. When you engage a discipline long enough, it will produce a desire. Desire awakens out of discipline. Discipline produces a desire that results in delight. Let me show you this in a pragmatic way. How many of you know that a marriage that's 20 years old doesn't feel the same as it did the first year? Don't be afraid. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you? <laughs> how many of you know? How do you keep that fresh? You're not going to like what I'm going to tell you. Some of you won't like what I'm going to tell you, but it's a fact. I can, I've seen it happen again and again. If you, you don't fall out of love with someone, you walk out of love with them. How do you change that? If you want to feel love again, behave in a fashion you would if you felt love. You discipline yourself. You start doing the loving things, and I guarantee you, some of you are a little thicker-headed. It might take longer. But... <laughs> But if you do the things that a loving person will do, you'll begin to feel love as a fruit of your behavior. We have it all backwards. We think that we behave because we feel love. That's why love dies and we walk away from it. We quit doing the things that produce it. I could show you again and again. I can make any two people fall in love if they just begin to act like they're in love because your action will produce a feeling. And then when your action produces a feeling, that feeling will result in delight. And you'll wonder, how did we get here? You got here because you began to behave in a way that you wanted to live. Discipline produces desire that results in delight. How do I awaken a desire to pray? By praying. By praying. <laughs> He'll show up. He'll show up. 
And I'm not talking about that in, well, I'm going to spend three hours in prayer today. No, you won't. You're not going to spend three minutes now. You're not going to spend three hours. Go from three to 10 or to 12 or whatever. But some time that you just take time to talk to him. And if you do it enough, a desire will awaken. Quit waiting for it to awaken. Stoke the fire. Put some fuel in the furnace and light a match and see what will happen. Because your discipline will produce desire that will end in delight. We need God to awaken desire within us. God, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And then I believe they were inspired by an authentic experience. And I want you to watch what happens. I'll do this pretty quickly. But inspired by an authentic experience because when Jesus says to them, teach us to pray, do you know what he does? He teaches them. And what follows is really, really important. It's really important. What kind of authenticity did they see in him? Where did Jesus start in telling them how to pray? He started in verses 2 to 4 with a concept I want to call intentional praying. Praying on purpose. <laughs> there are a lot of times my wife and I talk and it's, there's no plan, we just talk. And how many of you have been around long enough with your spouse that sometimes that unintentional conversation goes somewhere you didn't want it to go? <laughs> and uh, this is what will make my heart go right into my stomach. If I walk in the house and she says, um, need you to sit down, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'll take the tribulation over what's about to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> what avoids those when you're intentional about the things you communicate about when you're communicating on a regular basis intentionally these are the things we need to talk about these are the things we need to interact on and he spells that out in what we call the lord's prayer here in luke our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name that we start off with exalting him and praising him and magnifying him and lifting the name of Jesus. That is an intentional how we pray. I believe that God inhabits the praise of his people. I just don't think we stay in praise long enough for Jesus to get there. <laughs> You're quiet. This is what happens. You know this is what happens. Intentional worship. And then from praise it goes to petition. He wants us to tell him what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you know what that'll do? That'll remind you that everything belongs to him. Give us this day our daily bread. He praying about your needs. He wants to be, do you know he wants to be the source of your supply? He wants to be the one that you go to, the one that you talk to. Let's take time to talk to him and he will supply your need. My wife and I were talking the other day about ways that God has supplied over the years. And I don't tithe for what I get. I tithe because it's right. But I found when he tithes, he keeps his word. I was a lowly Bible college student. I was driving a 66 um, Mercury Comet. That's what it was. Things. I got stuck there. It was... It was turquoise, caliente, calenti. It had, I mean, it was not cool. <laughs> but it hauled all my stuff. 
and I had driven home for break. I had moved out of the house, was living with another family because of all the chaos going on in our home, and I'm living there, and I don't know what to do. I've paid my tithes, and I don't have, I don't have any money to get back to school. Zero, none, zero. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have cash. I didn't have a, an account to write a check. I had nothing. And it's Sunday night at church, or Sunday morning at church. It was Sunday morning. And I prayed, Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know there are people I could ask. And I will because I've got to go back to school. I'm not, I'm not too proud to ask, but what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. That afternoon, my dad called, and he said, do you um, need some money to get back to school? <laughs> yeah, I do. So he drove over to the church Sunday night before it started, gave me enough cash to get back to school where I had a job. See, I also believe that God supplies through work. Amen. That's a whole other message, but <laughs> why is that so significant? Because my dad, at that point in his life, had no time for God. Had no, gave me no support in what I was doing in ministry. Thought it was a farce. In my, in, in my entire ministry career, he heard me preach, I think, two times. That he actually heard me preach. One that I remember for sure. Maybe it was only one time that he ever heard me preach. He was not vested in me at all or going back to Bible college. But something happened. God because one of God's sons had a need. Are you hearing me? And God said, I'm going to take care of that. Give us this day our daily bread. I'd have taken a job. I'd have, I'd have done whatever it took. I just wanted him to show me. And he did that he's the God of supply. Listen, he wants you to talk to him about your needs. You worship him and you praise him, and then you offer petition. And then there's a time of purification. Um, forgive us as we forgive others. Those are wonderful moments. I'm saying to you that prayer has intentional components, that there needs to be a way that you pray and a reason that you pray and a structure that you pray that you can look back and say, I asked him and he answered. I sought him and I found him. I was invested and he responded to me. Intentional praying. Second, I think prayer has then, in verse 5, an importunate component. Do you know what I appreciate people, about people? People that have a don't give up attitude. I'm just, okay, four of us. <laughs> the rest of you are quitters, I guess. I, I like a don't give up attitude. Anybody? I love a don't give up attitude. We had a... Uh, <laughs> took a missions team to Russia. And Russia construction at that time was different than ours. They cut a trough in concrete walls and lay the wire in the wall and cover it with cement. The ceilings were cement, about four inches next to the wall and about a half inch when it got out to the middle. And we're trying to use one of those things to, to hang a drop ceiling. And here, when you shoot the nail in, it bends. Over here, it blows a hole in the wall. And we're trying to make this work, and nothing is working. And one of our hardworking guys got off the scaffolding, and he said, This is impossible. 
And I said, I didn't come 2,000 miles and spend this much money to get here to have you tell me it's impossible. I wasn't really anointed. <laughs> I was just ticked off. <laughs> Told him to go do something else, and we found a way to get it done. Because I don't like a give up, can't do it attitude. And what is importunate prayer? It's an, ah, I just keep asking, I keep asking, I keep asking. God doesn't answer. That's not importunity. It means you keep asking till the answer comes. Why? Because it's shaping you and it's developing you and it's strengthening you. And it says, I'm not giving up till I hear from him. I guess the time's not ready, but I'm going to keep praying. And the unjust judge says, I give up because she won't go away. And here's the difference. He wants to answer. He's ready to respond. But you have to stay at the task. And something inspires me about people who keep praying and believing and pushing in spite of all odds. Are you that person? Are you the person they say, if you want someone that will pray and not give up, here's who you talk to. They saw Jesus as a man who didn't quit praying. You say, well, I prayed for things that didn't happen. I'm in some discussion now over the mystery of divine healing and all that goes with that. And how do you pray for divine healing? I keep praying until they're ultimately healed. And don't mock me because I'll, I'll get ticked off, not anointed. But don't tell me that heaven's not the ultimate healing. It is. Because you'll be sick in some fashion until the day you die. And healing allows you to live a little longer because you've got a further purpose. And I'm thankful that it's provided. If it weren't provided in the atonement, we'd still be sick in heaven. But when we get to heaven, we'll be 100% whole, 100% free. And I'll, as long as you're alive, I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to keep believing for you. We're going to keep fighting that battle till the day that Jesus says it's enough. Because I'm not a quitter. I'm not giving up. I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep praying and holding that ground, whatever the burden or need is i'm not stopping i'll hold that ground because as long as there's life there's hope i'm not quitting i'm going to keep talking to my heavenly father is there anybody in the house right now uh, don't give up don't quit attitude of prayer prayer is like a medicine you keep applying it it's a battle. You keep fighting that. Daniel prayed 21 days without knowing why because there was a battle going on in the heavenlies. We need intentional prayer and we need importunate prayer that I prayed and nothing happened. You sissy, grow up and get some strength and get back to the altar and let's hold the ground and let's fight the fight and let's win for victory. But I'm not stopping now because the battle's not over. I'm going to keep my hand on the plow. I'm going to keep seeking the face of God. I'm going to keep applying spiritual pressure and you can't make me stop is anybody hearing me this morning they'll be inspired by your importunity the can do won't give up I'll keep seeking him and third is invested prayer inspired by authenticity authenticity is intentional it's importunate and it's invested look at what he says beginning in verse 9 ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. <laughs> God did a miracle for our little girl, Crystal, when she was just a baby. She wasn't growing, wasn't gaining weight, couldn't keep formula down, couldn't... <sighs> They were going to have to do surgery, and we didn't know what was wrong. We were so frustrated, and I called my pastor, my mentor. I said, Pastor Booth, what, 
I don't know if I have a right to ask for this. You know, other people go through trials. I don't want to be better than them. Why should I escape a trial? Someone, you don't have to want to go through trials. They'll find you. Okay, don't, don't ask for them. They'll, they'll, they know your address. And he said something to me that I have never, I've never forgotten. He said, you have a right to want it. That was like the sun shined. Yes, I have a right to want it. I have a right to want my kids to be healthy. Come on, is there anyone in the house? I have a right to want divine healing. I have a right to want victory. It's in scripture. I have a right. He said, then if you have a right to want it, you have a right to ask for it. And we began to ask. Why? Because now I'm invested. I get so tired of cupcake Christians who say, whatever God's will is, let the will of God be done. Just means you don't have the courage to ask for anything. You don't want to be invested. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to put your name on the line. You don't want to ask for something that doesn't happen. Have egg on your face. I'm going to be invested. My name's on the line. I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to ask for what I want. And in that case, God did a miracle. Daughter gained a pound in four days drinking Pedialyte. Tell me that's not a miracle. And the doctor said, I love this moment. It was a great moment. He just said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. <laughs> and I said, all we've done was had the church pray. And he walked out of the room. I was okay with that. Because when you ask for something, when you ask for something, you're personally invested. You've set the guidelines. You've put your name there. This is what I want. And when you seek something, you're invested. You are looking for something. I, I looked for a long time for my keys one morning, only to discover they were in my hand. <laughs> I wish I hadn't invested in that. I wish I hadn't told my wife what I was looking for. This is the help she provides me when I can't find something. Keep looking. <laughs> How many of you ever looked for your sunglasses that were on your head? Thank you very much. Don't look at me like I'm. When you're seeking, you're saying there's something. What does seeking mean? There's something I have lost. There's something I don't have. There's something I want. I have named it, and now I'm going to look for it. It is investment in prayer. And then you knock. And you keep knocking, and you keep knocking. We were doing um, visitation. How many of you remember the old days of visitation? Thursday night visitation, or anybody ever go out on those? Oh, that's brutal. Anybody that wasn't there Sunday, we would go out on Thursday and ask them why they weren't there Sunday. That's not a great way to build fellowship. <laughs> we went to a man in the church that was a leader, but was only there when he could sing or teach, and I went with his nephew. We went up to his door, and I'm not making this up. There was a window in that wooden door, and I saw the curtain that was closed go. <laughs> and then I watched at the windows while every light in the house went out. That's a clue to me to go home. He doesn't want to talk to us, but not to his nephew. His nephew... Um, knock louder. 
and louder, and then he finally yelled through the door, Uncle Bob, I know you're in there. <laughs> he didn't come to the door. Knocking means you keep knocking. Do you see the, the force of prayer? It's invested. I'm going to keep knocking till I get an answer. I'm going to, I've put myself in the process. Uh, whatever the will of the Lord is. Now, you can pray the will of the Lord be done because Jesus prayed that. But there wasn't anywhere he ever said whatever the will of the Lord is because he stayed in prayer long enough till he knew what it was. And then he went after it. Hello? I'm talking about who is inspired when you pray. I'm sure Pastor Nathan, if you come. I, I, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure... There are people that if you really wanted them to pray, you wouldn't go to. Don't raise your hands. Don't say you know of someone like that, but there's, this wouldn't go to. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put them on the spot, and they won't like this. But Jim and Ruth Wilson inspire me about marriage. You can have, they're still having fun. Just get around them. They're still having fun. And if you don't watch them have fun, they'll turn on you and have it at your expense. You know, they'll just, they'll come after you. I just, I just, I just love the way they interact. They inspire me. Um, John and Karen Kinney. I'm, I, I'm not capable as being as sweet as they are. Hello? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just like, wow. Um, but they inspire me. Who inspires you? And more importantly, who do you inspire? Shouldn't? <laughs> Wish you could feel what I feel up here right now. How this entire place would change if we decided, I want to live my life before God in such a way that someone is inspired to pursue Jesus. What would happen? Because that transformational quality of prayer will become an inspirational quality that you'll receive an inspiration from God that will inspire others. Would to God, someone would walk up and say, teach me to worship the way you worship. Walk up to me and say, teach me to pray the way you pray. Teach me. Teach me. You can be that person. You don't need a credential. You don't need a license. You just have to live a life that inspires someone. And my call this morning is, will you get out of the place you are and say, God, let me be an inspiration to somebody. And what would happen if every Sunday when we came in here, we asked ourselves, would anybody want what I've got right now? What would happen? I don't know what to do right now. Because the possibility of you entering into worship right now is directly diminished by the pressure I'm placing. <laughs> but here's how I want us to pray. Would you stand with me? Just right where you are. You don't have to come anywhere. How many of you would be willing to just pray, God, help me be inspirational to somebody. Make me an inspiration to somebody. Right, right now, I want you to ask him for that. Right now, just lift your hands. Ask him for that. Help me be an inspiration to somebody. 
let my prayer life, let my spiritual life, let my spiritual walk be such that someone is inspired because they saw something in me that you've done that they want to walk in as well. God, help us. I'm so unworthy. But still you love me I'm captivated By your great mercy I'm overwhelmed By what you've done to death and then has come back and pray for Pastor Airwood. But Pastor Airwood didn't inspire me as a leader. I didn't, I didn't want to be a leader the way he led. Not that it was wrong, it just didn't inspire me. He didn't ever inspire me as a preacher. But I said, oh God, 
if I could be the kind of prayer that Richard Arrowwood is because it just exuded all around him he just believed in prayer and man I want to talk to you just a minute I feel prompted by God what might happen I want our I want our young men to know that there's more to worship than being an usher they need to see strong men who lift their hands. They need to see strong men who aren't afraid to cry. I don't want my kids to ever say, I never saw my dad cry. I don't want them to say, I never heard him say, I love you. Never saw him lift his hands. I'm not going to be that kind of person that they need to see that happen. And women, we need to see you worship as well. You have a heart for God that many men would will never be able to understand how to get there. Let that flourish. Let that splash all over the place. But shouldn't we say to a younger generation, watch the men here. Watch the women here. Because they're giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Let's determine that our lives will be lived in such a way in 2020 that somebody will be inspired to draw closer to God because we were in their life. Amen? Jesus, do something in us. Do something in us that we will not be satisfied with where we currently are, but help us run toward you in a way that others will be inspired to run toward you. In Jesus' name. And everyone that loves him said, Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Shake someone's hand. Be a blessing to them. Be an encouragement to someone this morning.